welcome to Punta Vista, episode 103. I'm Andrew, and we are in a Siberian gulag. I gotta tell you, it sucks. Uh, I only have one potato, uncooked, very tasteless, and largely frozen. Uh, I'm here with my friend Ben. Hello, Ben. You got a potato? Don't tell everybody about my potato. What did you do to get that potato? <laughs> you, you don't want to know what I did to get that potato. <laughs> I got given half an onion six weeks ago and I've been eating it layer by layer. And I got to tell you, I'm starting from the outside, so it's getting worse every time I eat. <laughs> I thought it would be worse at the very outside if you started with the skin. Well, I mean, I'm talking in, in size size terms. Oh, every single layer is getting smaller. Serve, of course. Soon I'm just going to have that little bit at the in the middle that's, you know, kind of like even it's like a stem almost. A little sprouty bit. Yeah, the little sprouty bit. A little heart of the onion. The onion heart. Which some people say is a delicacy, but, um, you know, when you're having a tiny portion of onion once a fortnight to sustain you, honestly, I'd take quantity over quality at this stage. Huh. And uh, over there in the corner, um, nibbling at a at a mouldy husk of bread like a big rat boy, it's our friend Theo. Hey. It's not that big. How's your uh, bread? It's it's nice. Um, ben, are you going to eat that the onion root or... I, uh, maybe keep your eyes off it. That's uh, it's my <laughs> onion route. Uh, some of us wish we had a husk of bread. So, you know, it's all swings and roundabouts in here. Hmm. Grass is always greener, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah, I mean, you can... I'd, I'd give you some of my frozen mould if you like. You know what? I think... For a bit of onion root. Well, I'm, I've kind of made being the guy with the bit of onion my thing now. <laughs> uh, you know, people, they see me around the gulag. Like, hey, it's Onion Man. And I'm like, hey... Hey, there's Ben, the man with the worst breath in the gulag. <laughs> <laughs> worst breath in the gulag. Oh. Almost sounds like the name of a movie. My goodness. Oh, dear folks. Um, so what's what's been going on in the Australian media? I'm doing scare quotes. You can't see them, but you can feel me waving my fingers in the air. Mm. Now, that's the power like of that. radio. That is, mm. that is the power of live pre-recorded internet radio. Yeah. It's radio over internet. Yeah. Um, Roip. Roip. Yeah. No, nothing good is happening, surely. No. Nothing nope. uh, like objectively nice is occurring. Yeah. Nothing In positive. general. Nothing heartwarming. Um, all the human interest stories are like we're interested in how this human's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> they're all bad. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean... Uh, <laughs> Now, the thing of it, that is one kind of human interest. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. But uh, but was it last week that we were having a bit of a chat about... I don't think... Maybe it wasn't last week. That we were having a bit of a chat about um, Guardian columnist Bridget Delaney. Mm-hmm. And her... Now, before we fly into this, Uh-oh. I just want to say... Yep. Uh, I do know some people that know her personally, and apparently she is strange but very nice. I'm sure she is. And I just want that as a disclaimer because that is not the impression that you get from her stories. <laughs> the impression you get is that she is strange and an ass. <laughs> and and this this is what really kind of um, drives the interest for us is the multiple layers of number one. Why did you write this? <laughs> um, and have it have it printed in a large newspaper. And like... <sighs> I don't know. In the same way that we, that we were saying about that piece of um, of the finance writer who just had a bad time at 
at David Jones and then said, I'm going to go and write an article about how pissed off I was at the customer service. And you think, was this meant to reflect well on you? Or did you know at the time how much of a dick you were going to look like? Whereas with that's kind of the deal with the Bridget Delaney stuff where like, I like you definitely get the sense that she knows that she is presenting herself to the world as like a klutz of the highest order. Um, yeah. Which which isn't like by any means the worst thing in the world to be. Yeah. It's there it's is... far worse to be an actively harmful person than a big time klutz. There's an element of self-awareness here in that she knows that what she's saying sounds ridiculous, but I believe she is under the impression that it reads as quite charmingly earnest. Yeah, and um relatable. Yes. And not <laughs> fucking confusing as shit as to why you would express these things. Now, I will I will say that I put it to the Discord to say, hey, are you guys getting sick of us reading Bridget Delaney articles? Because, and this is before, yeah, this, I, I kind of, we did the, we did the one the other week and I thought, all right, that's it for a while. But like having a jar of prunes in your cupboard, mm. you've just got to keep going back for one more. Just one um, more. No matter because, what it does to you. Because there is something just so alluring about about these that every time they come up, we are going to go, oh. Just one more prune. Just one more prune. So, then you um, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that absolutely relatable feel of having an insatiable lust for an open jar of prunes that's in your cupboard. Just one more prune, baby. Out of, oh. out of prunes, I gotta go. I've already had Shut nine up. prunes today. <laughs> you start rationing my Those prunes. Those are rookie numbers, Ben. <laughs> I okay. So I I read. Oh. You know, you know. There's the whole the 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 thing goes that the prunes feed enough of them, you get you know diarrhea. Now the green apple actually, splatters. I'm not I'm not quite sure that that's true. Um, the prune industry does recommend that you eat somewhere around 100 grams of prunes a day. <laughs> well, the fucking big they prune would, would want prune. to do that, wouldn't they? <laughs> now, I well, look, I'm just saying they might have science on their side. I'm not sure. They don't. This is like fucking Caltex in the 70s being like, <laughs> it's impossible to change the climate. The prune you industry is like... three litres of fuel a day. <laughs> if it was up to the prune industry, they'd tell you that it was like the fucking... Jurassic Park, how dinosaurs need that artificially introduced hormone to keep living. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same with the human body. You need prudes or you just die. <laughs> Doctors recommend unfiltered camels for a robust heart. <laughs> so much like you just have to have one more prune, we got to have one more taste of Bridget because oh, God. Uh, Bridget started tweeting earlier this week. Uh, it appears she is on holiday. Now, the sequence of tweets... Uh, went as follows. Ugh. Berlin bike accident. Hipster on fixie going too fast. Wait, we swerve I, into can each I other. Can I stop you there? <laughs> yeah. So, you said ug. 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 Is that like how, how do we spell that? Yeah, what are we... That is, that is U-G-H. Oh, hmm. this motherfucker says ug. This motherfucker says ug. What should I be saying? It's kind of like an ugh. 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 Have you been saying ug this whole time? Ugh. Um, I can't believe this is mood. happening to me. Reading depends out messages to your wife. Ugh. She's just saying, why, why are all these people saying ugh? Ugh. 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 Berlin bike accident. <laughs> Hipster on fixie going too fast. We swerve into each other and end up in flower bed with my foot <laughs> caught in her handbag. 
Um, <laughs> sad, sad emoji face with tear uh, coffin emoji. Now, the clearly, other cyclist died. <laughs> Bridget, Bridget is not dead, as far as we know. The other she cyclist is not dead. She puts them in the grave. <laughs> I I don't know what type of hipster on a fixie is also riding with a handbag, um, but let's let's not get into that. But clearly, Bridget is overseas. Very keep she's on holiday. Trimming tools. Hmm. This is surely followed by Aeropress. <clears throat> Ugh. <laughs> Just given all my money and personal details to a fake Indian visa site. Sad, sad, frowny face. Tia. You know, you know how you're just always giving all of your money and personal details. Like, I went through this exact process, right? Of like applying for an. Um, I don't even know if it's a real visa. I think it's like a visa waiver, right? And there are a bunch of these scam sites set up. It's so fucking easy to spot which ones are the fake ones. You can be like, oh, it's a .gov address or whatever. And like, you can check these things. She's meant to be like a fucking, she works for a goddamn newspaper. Now, we're going to get into, we're going to get into the specifics, actually, of of this site in just a moment. Uh, The tweets continue. Yep, my bank confirms I've been a victim of fraud! Exclamation, 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 exclamation. Um, now, you know this podcast's policy on fraud. Um, and, <laughs> we know and, your policy on fraud. And, yeah, and Andrew that, thinks that means the F it's... stands for funny. <laughs> yes. Uh, and all the, the other letters also stand for things that blame the victim. Really amazing. <laughs> um, utter dullards. That's what you think of the people that are getting frauded. It's a victimless crime, folks. Um, so, <laughs> so, she continues, she continues, Indian visa fraudsters spending my money at, <laughs> spending my money at Puma and a Caltex, uh, sad emoji, tear. Uh, we then uh, follow this up with, uh, last time I went to India, my wallet was in Michael Safi's backpack and his bag was slashed and my wallet taken. Now I haven't even arrived in the country and I've been robbed. Coffin emoji. Uh, somebody replies, what, no, really? And she says, yes, applying for an Indian visa on a fake website. They stole my details. God damn it. Oh, now, <laughs> now, you might think to yourself, okay, uh, how did this all go so wrong for Bridget? There must have been no signs at all. Almost no signs at all. Uh, So, she's chosen to immortalize this by writing a piece entitled My Supermarket Sweep Hell, How a Visa Scam Ruined My Holiday. I apply for an Indian tourist visa after going online and googling Indian tourist visa. Mm -hmm. I have traveled to India before and unfortunately was robbed on my first day during a street food tour in Old Delhi, after I gave my wallet to a friend to put in his backpack for safekeeping. While sampling samosas, his backpack was slashed with a knife, and my wallet taken. This visit will be different. I am determined not to be robbed again. On Monday, applying for a tourist visa, I become bored with the amount of questions on the form. This is possibly the funniest <laughs> part of the article to me. It's just like... <laughs> just, just like... I, Childishly... I, I stopped caring about what I was doing several questions in. Mother's maiden name, her date of birth, my bank account details, four oh, photos of me, a no. scan of my passport, my last trip to India. Where did I go? Delhi, I answer, somewhat sourly. Like a child wanting to leave the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> Delhi, city of thieves. <clears throat> 
The fee for the visa is almost $300. That's weird, I think. It should be $80. I don't think much more of it. Until Wednesday morning mm-hmm. in London. <laughs> <laughs> She's like telling you about the red flags <laughs> in the thing. I know that this is supposed to cost US $80. They want $300. I think that that's very strange. So I give them $300 so, so and close the window. To, to me, that is nothing. <laughs> when compared to the price of my patience. Oh, man. Now, don't get me wrong. I identify with this as a person who is very prone to, like, just making fast choices to avoid having to, like, do particular things for too long. I don't know. I feel like there's definitely been points in God, my that life must where... must be wonderful. Oh. It must be an incredible thing to have. It's great. Sometimes you do, you do find yourself in a Bridget-type scenario. Where you go, maybe if I had to spend a little longer thinking about this. Um, but still. But still. Um, she finds that in when- Wednesday morning in London, she can no longer access her online banking. Calling my bank in Australia, I am put through to the fraud team. We think your account was accessed without authorization, they tell me. Well, somebody had, <laughs> had the authorization. Mm-hmm. Using my details from the fake Indian Visa website, someone has made a copy of my bank card and attached it to their phone. The previous night, they have gone on a spending spree around Melbourne. They have hit up a Puma, a Caltex, and a 7-Eleven. Could it have been me, they ask? Last night, I was in Chelsea having dinner with Bob Geldof, I reply indignantly. <laughs> now, last last time, we were saying how... how um, I think we were just joking around that star fucking was like a particular fixture of her articles. Look who I know. Um... But it's not just Bob Geldof. But and this this comes back to what you were saying, Ben. Um, yes, she is theoretically the victim of a crime here, but she's mm. not not casting herself in the greatest light with Which the way she has chosen she's to write. Aware of, but it's again that sense that like thinking it will be received differently. Yeah, um, I reply indignantly, Sir Bob Geldof. I mean, he was at the next table. He wasn't actually with me, but yeah, he was near me. I was having dinner near Bob Geldof on the other side of the world, not at Caltex. Could have just said, uh, no, it was said, no, Chelsea. It wasn't me. I did not go to a Caltex. I wasn't in the country. <laughs> I don't own a car because also, every time I do, my steering wheel whips out of the window. <laughs> they should know that she's out of the out of the country because I don't know about you guys, but like... You're supposed to tell your bank that? You tell your bank that you're leaving the country. Otherwise, they go, oh, someone used your card in London. We're now freezing it. I don't like this about Westpac, but they do have a little push notification that the banking app gives you if you go to the international airport. Oh, that's delightful. It says, where are you going? And then I say loudly to my phone in public by myself, how do you know? The damn NSA, all up in your business. They got me. To stop the fraud, the bank tell me they have to block my card, which puts me in a tough position. I'm overseas and about to go traveling. Which... Another card won't reach me in time, yet I only have 15 pounds in my wallet. The fraud person at my bank agrees to unblock my card briefly so I can get some cash out. Quote, but only for 30 minutes. By 7pm Australia time, we'll put the block back on it permanently. You're lifting the block now? Yes, now for 30 minutes. But I'm still in my pyjamas. <laughs> Ugh. I, 
I chuck on some clothes. I chuck on some clothes and run down to Tottenham Court Road like a contestant on Supermarket Sweep. It's horrible. I race into a coffee shop. Flat white to go. I come back. Finally. <laughs> so, so, hang on. So, just to be specific, I come back is in quotes as in those are words that she is purporting yes. to us to have said. Flat white to go is, is all capitalized, suggesting she has yelled this at the person behind the counter. And then I come back is the next sentence. So basically immediately she has reverted to some type of pigeon English scenario. And this will, this will continue. So finding the nearest cash machine, I take out the maximum amount of money, but it's still nowhere near enough for two weeks traveling. Shove cash wad into wallet, but it doesn't fit and bulges out precariously. <laughs> oh, what am I going to do with all this cash? Race barely, across the road. Barely fits in my wallet. Race across the road, narrowly miss getting hit by a double-decker bus. Mm-hmm. I need shoes and sunglasses. Must buy before card expires. Run to Primark. Shop too large and confusing. People walk slowly, staring at their phones. Thought this was supposed to be fast fashion. Uh-huh. Pick up random ugly shoes and sunglasses and do not try them on. No time! Back out on street. Remember, coffee ordered. Run back. Get it. Coffee cold. Order another while I still have my card. Run out onto road with coffee in each hand. I need to get presents for my London hosts. Run to a flower stand. You take card? Yes. (laughs) Give me some of those and some of those. I pay now. She's like a Russian... A Russian stereotype or Uh something? All of a sudden? I think she's using a delightful writing technique to indicate to us the sense of urgency that she's experiencing. She does have time for all the words. Working. Drink both coffees, one too hot, the other one cold, while flowers wrapped and start shaking with caffeine and stress. Ten minutes left. I just want to take a moment as well to say, like, just, I, I think this also really portrays a great sense of priorities here. Oh, 100%. No, but it's a charming quirk that her priorities are weird. That's why she's writing about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wasn't it funny that I dilly-dallied when the point of the story was... You know what? Actually, I don't know what it was. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. But clearly, like, any normal person would say, okay, so if, you've, if you need shoes and sunglasses, that's fine, right? Those are arguably essential items. Um... And then you go home to your hosts and you say, hey, sorry I, I haven't gotten you guys anything for letting me stay. I have been the victim of bank fraud. Mm. Um, the details of which I'm not going to discuss because they are far too embarrassing. <laughs> i tell you what, though. For you, even my close friends to hear. In lieu of a gift, maybe I'll just do some like courtesy tidying around the house or whatever. Yeah. Uh, run to bookstore, yank a greeting card off the shelf for hosts. It could say anything. I have no time to check. Six minutes left. Too many bags now, and my cash falling from wallet. Knock over a stack of books with my oversized stems of flowers. Why did he give me giant flowers? Looking for presents for hosts. Books, too many. Coffee jitters. Grab something with a yellow cover by author I have never heard of, blurbed by other authors I have never heard of. This will have to do. I will read it on the plane person on till has sleepy voice says the till's just waking up it's a bit slow today i scream but hold it in Hmm. so i don't scream (laughs) he asks me how my day is going so far 
So far, so bad. It's a fun, it's a fun inversion of a common phrase. <laughs> it feels like something that like someone in a nineties movie would say immediately oh. after doing a not joke. My goodness. Buy book and card. Leave store. Remember, I need to get presents for hosts. Have only bought present for self and giant flowers. Two minutes. I grab two random books from shelf. Something about the financial crisis. Something about female friendship. Race to till that is still waking up. German woman gets in before me. No. I have 90 seconds. She's not even buying anything. She wants, she wants, WTF does she want? A book? Yes. On walking? Uh, FFS. Narrow it down. I'm almost standing on top of her, dribbling with stress. (laughs) (laughs) I have a minute to buy my host these random presents before my money is cut off. She's trying to explain the book, but she's doing it wrong. Instead of naming the author, she's slowly describing to the clerk the book's dimensions. (laughs) (laughs) She... She draws a book Germans. in the air with her fingers. It's this size. <laughs> it's the size of a book, I yell out. The clerk sends her to the back of the shop. I throw down my books. Scan now, or it may not work. It's almost 7pm in Australia. I wave my card over the machine. Ah, work, please. Hey, so, okay, sorry. Huh? A- A-R-R-G-H. <laughs> and how will and we how- say that one? Give that give the one another run. <sighs> my God. Well, please. <laughs> Please okay. give me some guidance here, Theo. No, 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 no. We just want to hear Andrew, you. Please. What please. you think. Well, this time I said, ah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Jeez. Mm. Just trying to please you, you know? We wait as the hour ticks over. Approved. So we can only imagine how the rest of this holiday in India is going to go. I imagine another 15 or 20 articles. Perhaps. Oh, easily. Now, I just want to... You know, to make it... I don't want this to look like we're bullying her, right? So, let's establish that the power dynamic here is that she is seemingly a relatively well-off woman who is... Is she just a columnist or the opinion editor at the... No, she's just a columnist, isn't she? I think um, Brady Jabor's the opinion editor, isn't she? I think you might be right. Hmm. Uh, senior writer for Gardening Australia, okay? Sorry, Gardening Australia. Gardening Australia. Australia. Yep. Um... So, obviously, um, I kick shit for a living. I only have a part-time job. Um, I have bad hair. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of money. Mm. None uh, of our dicks work. None of our dicks work. <laughs> uh, we don't have any influence or charisma. Uh, and I think she's mm. a more powerful figure than we are. Yep. So All of my nail beds are receding. Yep, I have uh, some dental issues that I can't afford to go sort out, uh, and she put this out in public on purpose, so I think we're in the clear. Yeah. Yeah? It sounds right to me. Okay, okay. good. Oh, my goodness. I'm not sure if I've been circumcised or not. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a half job. Were you the at the part of my uh, birthday drinks where we were doing the customary? Hey, everyone, let's figure out who is or who is not circumcised. No, no. <laughs> the customary <laughs> part. Oh, it happens at just about every party I've ever been to. Oh, my and um, at your own I feel insistence, like I at your parties, that would be like one of those grid logic puzzles where you can <laughs> just find somebody who oh. has either slept with that person or like two down that chain and slowly. Put X's in the grid. You certainly don't need to talk to the person themselves to find out if that's what you're <laughs> sure. saying. Yeah, but, yeah. but otherwise, people put off a vibe. 
Oh, you can tell. Yeah. Uh, who the two people are in that particular instance that uh, are circumcised. Hmm. You'd be able to tell from looking. Won't reveal on the podcast, though. Mm-hmm. You can find uh, your not in the free in- episodes. I think, I think in general you can tell by looking. <laughs> <laughs> you can't apparently. <laughs> can, uh, On the exception that proves the revolt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can really sense the vibe of your local intactivists. Oh <laughs> boy! <sighs> now speaking it's of your bad much. hair, Ben, um, we do have a question oh. from the mailbag sure. from a lover of the show, uh, Balesworth. Who asks, is there a statistical business-to-party ratio that Ben is applying to his mullet? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Uh, uh, actually, I wonder, was Devin part of that conversation? Sorry, the person that said in that question, oh, I was too drunk by that stage. Oh. Uh, but he might have been there. Uh, so, that's an odd coincidence. I'm going to say I'm going for, at this stage... 85% party, Ooh. 15% business. That is, that is an aggressive mix. Well, I've only got business at the sides because I've the, the top and front of my hair is also long. The whole thing is long except I've got essentially Skrillex's haircut, oh. but worse. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, oh. where Skrillex's hair is at now is aspirational for me. Um, maybe not in colour. Uh, or in terms of the person that it's attached to, but in shape, certainly. Yeah, I'm going to go 85-15 split. There you go. So, um, other things in the media this week has been the reappearance of long-time uh, friend and adversary of the show, Nelly Yoa. Now, you may remember Nelly Yoa, or if you would like to actually, if you would like to go back and revisit this show's uh, relationship and documenting of the many exploits of Nelly Yoa. Um, you can start with episode 29, uh, Apex Gang Hunter Valley Subdivision, featuring friend of the show, oh, great Matt Brady. Episode. Uh, you can then move on to episode 45, Dark Latham, also featuring <laughs> friend of the show, uh, Matt Brady. How'd you get a little kick out of that one, did you, mate? That's yeah. a wonderful title. Uh, and of course... Uh, I think I came up with it. You can then move on to... mine, actually. Oh. Well, you can fight about this later. Props to <laughs> mm. uh, And then, of course, episode 67, Cyber Nigel. Uh, and so we've, we've talked about Nelly and all of these, um, who has then responded by uh, clapping back at us, if you will, on social media. Um, we have fun. It's all very nice. Uh, I'm not sure that Nelly's having that much fun at the moment. No, and I think a, a good caveat to what we're about to get into is that there is a fair chance that this man is profoundly mentally ill uh, and that this is a power dynamic where we're punching down. Um, but, as always, we just report the news. We just report the facts. We report you punch down. <laughs> news no. you can't ignore. Opinions you can trust. It's- is that the, the Sky News one? Isn't I it? think it's the Sky News one backwards. I was trying to think of what the Fox News one is. What's the Fox News motto? Anyway, go on. Fox News I'll look anyway. Um, so, so yes, obviously we, we will have the appropriate caveats in here. But um, how about a little a little recap on his exploits? Um, so if you don't know who Nellie Ower is, um, he is a, he's a mystery. He's an enigma, this man. 
He has appeared on the Australian media scene in the last year or two, um, making many, many claims, many claims about sort of uh, where he's been, what he's done, uh, describing himself as like a professional footballer and an actor and um, like a local youth leader and all this sort of stuff. So from news.com.au here. Uh, This is not his first time in the spotlight for the wrong reason. The Melbourneian has been forced to deny that he lied in the past about his position in the Sudanese community, his football exploits, and his supposed sponsorship deals with Nike and Qantas. Yo was interviewed for a front-page story in The Age last year following a series of violent crimes allegedly committed by Melbourne's Sudanese community. He said he was, quote, ashamed to be Sudanese and labelled himself a community leader, a position he has since walked back. South Sudanese community leader said Yoa did not represent them. He later posted a picture that he posted of himself on Twitter at Chelsea's famous Stamford Bridge and claimed that he'd been signed by English Premier League giants Chelsea and that Nike had sponsored him. According to his LinkedIn page, Yoa played for Chelsea from February 2013 to August 2013, a year after he claimed the signing on Twitter. His Facebook page says he played with Chelsea in 2012. Yoa went on to post about learning from the best in the world. Sports reporter and friend of the show, Vince Rugari, from the Australian Associated Press, confirms, quote, Chelsea had no record of Nelly Yoa ever trialling that. He also claimed to have tried out for a lucrative contract with an AFL team and claimed to have been invited to the annual Brownlow Awards. And how did that one end, Ben? Uh, I believe with him hiding in the toilets once security discovered that he was there. That he had snuck onto the premises, at which point he was banned from the casino where the event was being held. Um, in an interview with news.com.au last year, Yo said he was embracing the attention and the haters were simply making him more successful. It's hard to argue with. It's been full on, but it's been great, he said. I'm embracing all this attention. Yes, I think that's very, very fair to say. Mm. Mm. He continues, everyone is entitled to their opinion and it's just another media hunt. They are just trying to put me down uh, because of what I'm trying to do. I don't know why they're doing it, but because I am in the limelight, they will do anything to put me down. But what they don't understand is, the more they talk about me, the more successful I become, and the more I will embrace it. Now, this is undoubtedly true. Up to a point. Uh, I think like a lot of people out there who have have basically been operating through just long-term uh, charlatanism and light fraud... Uh, there always seems to be a point at which, like, other than, say, I don't know, Donald Trump, for example, he hasn't quite found his ceiling yet. But, uh, but yeah, like, I, I think there's a lot of people where basically through just straight up lying, they manage to elevate their profiles and their careers to various points. They manage to get promoted into jobs and positions that they shouldn't otherwise be in. Uh, they get a lot of media attention. And it always seems like it, it's it's going way better than it should, unless it goes for too long, and then you invariably hit the downward spiral. You hit the downward slope, uh, and I think that we have just reached that point finale, which of course should be reminding us all of the uh, of boat watch. <laughs> the long and eventually depressing saga of Logan Mayor Luke Smith. Oh yeah. Is, can we get, a, like, a minor key sting? <laughs> oh, just a dirge version of it. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, if you would like to catch up on Boatwatch, uh, 
you could go and start with episode 41 of this show. You have oh, won a boat. Yeah, he's all over it. But doing my research this week. Welcome to Budapest episode 103, the episode where we list our other episodes. Well, it's relevant. It's relevant, folks. If you're a new listener and you would like to listen to the Boat Watch Saga, you start with episode 41. You have won a boat. Yep. Uh, you then move on to episode 46, Incel Inside. <laughs> <laughs> and then move on to episode 58, Banamaniacs. And uh, so so the story of, of Logan Mayor Luke Smith was what started off as a very funny, um, very funny story of the mayor of, of a... It's a town, yeah? It's a, it's a city. It's a city. It's a city. Yeah. Mayor, of, uh, mayor of the city of Logan in Queensland, Luke Smith, who had basically just uh, taken a boat from someone as a donation. It was like from some... Was it Chinese lobbyists? Uh, and they said, hey, would you like a free large boat? And he said, yes. We had a lot of fun with all of the, the reporting of him in the media and him him actively going out to the media to protest his innocence and managing to do like multiple interviews in which he talked about this at length without ever answering anyone's direct questions about, yeah, but did you take the boat? Like the boat's not the issue here. Um, and of course, over time, this became a sadder and sadder story until the very last update, which was that he was going to prison and had also perpetrated uh, domestic violence. So, I, I feel like we're kind of reaching this arc in Nelly's story. Uh, from the Canberra Times this week. A serial attention seeker facing perjury charges has rolled up to a Melbourne court in a white Rolls Royce with a presidential style security detail running beside the vehicle. Nellie Oa, 30, appeared in Melbourne Magistrates Court on Thursday, charged with five offences, including perjury and making false reports to police. Clad in a pink blazer and white pants, he arrived at court with two luxury cars and a team of supporters running alongside his chauffeured vehicle wearing black suits and sunglasses. Now, Ben, would you like to just describe this scene for us? I mean, more than what you just described? Yeah, because I feel like there's some key elements here that that don't really get put across in this description. Um, I didn't. I didn't actually see it in that much detail. I think I'm going to let you do this one. Well, okay. I think the um, I think the way that they've described it lends it some air of professionalism, like a sort of secret service operation that you might that you might imagine. Um. But in reality, it's like a Secret Service operation if all of the Secret Service people were dressing up in, like, their father's suits uh-huh. um, and had little um, the little um, uh, earplugs that you put in for, like, concerts or whatever with his, their, like, fingers held up to them. I don't know if they actually had them, but doing, doing like, pantomiming a security detail. Like, yes. eight people pantomiming a security detail... Uh, surrounding a car that uh, holds a man who does not require, in any way, shape, or form, a security <laughs> detail, mm. which is a fun uh, when you're when you're going through. Um, I know these are kind of two basically unrelated concerns, right? But when you were going through what he was saying about, uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their belief, and you know, this is just the haters and all this sort of stuff, in referring to uh, him being a massive liar and being called on it, you could basically take the entire thing of what he's saying and apply it to any kind of 
um, conservative opinion from the last 20 years, right? Um, that like it's it's all the same sort of like touch points and that sort of thing. Um, and here is one more, this sort of imagining that they are a massive target for not only like hate but also violence by painting a like a massive target on their own back and saying like look how look how oppressed i am everyone's out to get everyone's out to everyone's out to get me the person who is a good per a good boy and who has done nothing wrong. <laughs> well, yes, the, the parallel I think that you're also referring to is uh, ev- everyone keeps calling me a liar solely due to my massive volume of very provable lies. Yeah. Um, which is very similar to the to the conservative commentator battle cry of, oh, you call everyone you don't like a racist solely for their well-documented racist opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so like Theo's saying here, it's it's basically a group of people who have been assembled... Uh, to run alongside this this Rolls Royce, um, all dressed in like the, there are people in there who look like they're sixteen. Um, it's very clearly like a bunch of either friends um, or you know people that he's hired from Fiverr or some shit like that. Anyone who's putting a Craigslist ad up, if you have a black suit jacket and sunglasses, come on down. And you know, there's there's there were no no earpiece things at all. There is no form of communication taking place between any of these people. Um, very very funny and very obvious charlatanism. And like, I, I think a lot of people all had the same question, which is like, I think what everybody wanted to see here was where is where is the point that they all convened together? I assume it was just around the corner on the same oh, block. Oh yeah, and they would have all had to get together first and have a little chat about yeah. how this was going to go down. And that's a beautiful scene to me. That is the scene that I want to see. There's uh, everybody coming together. Oh, hey guys, thanks thanks for coming. <laughs> all right, ready? Everybody ready to jog around the corner at five kilometers an hour? Mm-hmm. So, very silly, very silly innings, like, right from the beginning, including when he then got out of the car, flanked by this pretend security detail, and walked up the steps of the courthouse and attempted to enter in through the um, express entrance for lawyers and was told to fuck off. And he had to come out and go back down the stairs and get back in the car. Oh, no. Which is some great, great smooth stuff. Uh... Charge sheets allege that Yo lied to police that a woman threatened him with a knife in his Dandenong home in June 2016. Uh, he then allegedly lied to them again in May 25th, 2018, when he reported a woman threatened him with a handgun. His solicitor, Chris McLennan, told the court that Yo, quote, does seem to have delusions of grandeur, this sort of narcissism. Everything he has brought before the court is there as his own stupidity, he said but added that his client would find it difficult to be imprisoned. You know it's not great when you get rinsed by your no, own that, that, and that's definitely, as you described earlier, I think the, the point that this jumps the shark as far as... Um, Just becoming sad now? Become, becoming something that's like... Yeah, I mean, this is... Yeah, where it goes from like being like, hey, this guy's a huge narcissist to... Um, oh, this guy's a, a huge narcissist. Yeah. Where it goes from this guy's an asshole to this guy might have some problems. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
just just as far as being yeah a a serial serial liar and somebody who is apparently just unable to stop doing it just complete compulsive uh compulsive lying at this point and yeah i think by the time you get to a point where your own lawyer is saying i think the best thing we can do is get up there and talk about how um you you kind of fucked up here and you can't stop doing it as opposed to uh he is innocent of all of these charges Mm. um i think it probably doesn't help to be charged by the police with uh lying to them when if for example they were going to try and present any evidence around your character i don't know if it would help to have an extremely extensive and well-documented history of lying to everyone you've ever met uh, and very deliberately and actively seeking out members of the media to lie to. So, uh, a friend of Yoa who joined him in court gave reporters a one-page statement from Yoa saying that his, quote, spectacular arrival was, quote, not attention-seeking. <sighs> in the statement, Yoa, who previously claimed to have played professional soccer overseas, blamed the charges on a police and state government vendetta against him. Hmm. I won't be silent. I answer to no one, he said. You might be answering to someone in jail soon. Uh, Mr. McLennan said that Yoa worked at the Justice Department from April to May, but lost his job after media reporting of his court matters. I am struggling to understand how this is possible, Deputy Chief Magistrate Felicity Broughton said. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't specifically understand what that is referring to in this article. Uh, is it possible that he worked for the Justice Department or possible that he lost his job over it? Mm. Well, both those things seem quite possible. I also feel like that his lawyer would not have said to the court he worked at the Justice Department unless he was pretty sure. I feel like based, based on what this lawyer is saying, it seems like the lawyer is very much in the, uh, in the party of... I'm just going to be telling the truth during this thing. Uh, still in an attempt to keep you out of jail, but I don't think I'll be doubling down on any of your lies as part of it. Sure. Uh, now, this was the part that made me sad. Uh, the father of three now works in a storeroom in Ballarat. So I'd forgotten that um, that he had a bunch of kids as well, which is not great uh, because there was the whole news story of, of him claiming that... Um, that famous world's fastest man, Usain Bolt, had, like, dashed from whatever country he was in at the time to Melbourne to be present at the birth of his third child. Um, there's also, like, photos of them now, together. when you say a, dashed... I mean that he ran okay. so fast that he was hydroplaning across the surface of the Very ocean. Good. thank you. Uh, canonically able to do that on this show. But, uh, but yeah, there were photos of them together at like a sporting event, um, at like a, a, a race, like a Melbourne Cup type thing, um, which, again, uh, Nelly used to try and push the line that they were best friends, longtime best friends, and he'd given interviews saying that, oh, yeah, he, he came to be bedside at the birth of my third child, and a St. Bolt's agent has said, no, they're not friends. Uh, they met once at like a racetrack thing and he tried to make friends with everybody and they all ignored him. Uh, but they did get a photo together and that photo was all the evidence that Nelly needed to spin a whole bunch of articles out of it saying, we are best pals. <laughs> Mr. McLennan said his client had, quote, attracted media attention and he will have to suffer for that his whole life. 
When Yeo was asked outside court why he had the flashy car, he said, I'm not sure, and said those running alongside it were just, quote, general public. Oh, no. Yeah. Very strange. And it's clear that a conversation has occurred in between these two events. Say, hey, maybe, uh, what what the fuck are you doing? Yes, yes. and, And all of that. It, well, it'd be pretty tricky, wouldn't it, if you were uh, if you were this dude's lawyer, and every time anything was happening, he was like, "Time to create another fantastical scenario." He'd be like, "Please, please stop. Just stop for like five minutes, you know." Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, he also said that the that the car was lent to him by his close personal friend Mick Gatto, huh. who's of course a a Melbourne underworld crime figure. Uh, Mick Gatto's lawyer was contacted who immediately said Mick Gatto has never met this dude uh, and is not friends with him. So, I thought it might might be might be nice to close out with just a, a little chunk of a long read from friend of the show, Richard Cook in The Monthly uh, from last year entitled The Fabulous Tale of Nellie Yoa. So, I'll just, I'll just give us a few paragraphs from this. The study of pathological lying is thin, but full of sonorous descriptions. Experts use terms like pseudologia fantastica, morbid lying, mythomania. One study describes a tendency for pseudologues to, quote, decorate their own person. After a week in the wake of Niall Nelly Yoa, surely one of the most prolific and impressive fantasists of our era, I discovered a surprising sub-theme in my notes, an accidentally coined term of my own. I had begun to refer to the people most intimately deceived not as victims or witnesses or associates, but as participants, as though Nellie was an event instead of just a person. These participants, passive and active, were all over the world. There were students and journalists and footballers, trainers and coaches, powerful media figures and politicians. Some had never met Yoa at all. Some had known him for years. Some now wondered if he was even Sudanese. One of the first things I checked, he is. Oddly, none bore him any ill will. There was some bewildered anger from the Sudanese community, but the strongest emotion anyone close could conjure up was ethical disappointment. The participants were shocked in early January to see Yoa rise to the crest of the news cycle. This former dual-code professional footballer, youth mentor, actor, and migrant community leader, whose story was given the front page of the Age newspaper under the headline, I'm ashamed to call myself Sudanese. The participants feared for his well-being as this fictional autobiography evaporated under scrutiny. But they still called him a good lad and a decent bloke and couldn't help laughing at the sheer scale of it all. It is not feasible to fact-check everything, one authority on fantasists told the independent newspaper, and I know the feeling. Taken together, Yoa's fabulous claims are so various and extensive that exhaustive investigation is almost impossible. His nightclub altercation with the rapper's tie dollar sign and YG, which led to a rumoured $100,000 payout, remain a mystery for now. So too his extensive acting career, although, at a glance, he appeared on The Chaser's War on Everything six years after it stopped airing. <laughs> that, that glance, the work of a moment, speaks to the most perplexing aspect of the event. When I spoke with Ricky Sims, Hussein Bolt's manager, it's official the world's fastest man was not Yoa's mentor, did not meet him in Beijing, and was not present for the birth of his child. He marveled that this kind of deception was possible in the internet era, when background checks are so much easier. It's fair to say that Nelly Yeo's improbable stories cannot withstand the briefest scrutiny, but for a long time they could, somehow, do something much more powerful. 
ward off that scrutiny. So, um, great long-form piece there from Richard Cook. That is available in the monthly, if you would like to Google it up. The Fabulous Tale of Nellie Yoa. <coughs> and, of course, Richard goes on to uh, make a point of the fact that part of what was irresistible to Australian media about making a figure out of Nellie Yoa was the fact that he was a young black man willing to go on the cover of a newspaper and say the Sudanese community is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, which happened during the big, the big uh, mythical uh, Sudanese crime gang panic of last year, a slow news summer, uh, which turned into that. And I believe, uh, as Richard says in the piece, much like if you are a woman willing to say uh, feminism has gone too far, you'll have a media gig for life. Uh, same for people who are willing to, to come out against their own people and, and give people a license to feel racist against them, basically. So, you know, we'll keep you updated. Uh, we'll keep you updated, but at this point, it doesn't really look like there's going to be a happy end to no. the Nelly Yoa saga. Let's hope he stays out of prison, because um, while, while he is a mysterious and prolific liar and fantasist, as Richard says, um, I guess you know it's not not really hurting anyone. It's making a lot of journalists write some stupid shit. Even Media Watch referred to him as a as an ex professional footballer. Oh yeah, that was funny. Like that, the number of people who will just take something at the absolute barest face value assessment. Like there were there were interviews with him in like a a magazine called like some some type of cinema magazine. They were talking to him about his acting career. How do you find time for acting outside of being a professional footballer? These people said to him. It's like how how do you manage to interview someone and not even just like Google them one time? I think the thing is that people don't expect people to be massive large scale liars. People expect to be maybe like manipulated for people to be spinning things but no one expects someone to just be like oh um by the way i actually lived on the international space station for four years <laughs> yeah i only just got back my bones oh i have some <laughs> sore bones all this gravity is hurting my bones if someone said that to me i'd be like oh shit fuck that's wild i didn't know that happened to your bones after I, space. I always suspected something would happen to your bones but i never knew what Great to have it confirmed. (laughs) Lovely to meet you. (laughs) An astronaut, you say. Hmm. Yeah, and I think part of of the point that Richard makes throughout that piece as well is that any of the individual claims themselves um, obviously fall apart the second that you try to confirm them. But he's obviously made such an effort over such a prolonged period of time to just lie about almost any given thing at any opportunity that he's been given to speak to someone that you wind up having this this massive kind of mesh of all of these individual smaller lies um, so that anytime that you do search for this person what you're going to get first of all is like a great big coding of very very light touch references to him in various newspaper articles as someone who was a semi-pro footballer or ex-professional footballer or someone who was signed to Chelsea or someone who was an American Express ambassador 
all these different things that he's told people that he is and put on his LinkedIn page and his social media profiles and said in interviews and all that sort of stuff. So that if you are kind of only having a very cursory glance, um, it can get to that point. And I guess like, you know, coming back to what I was referring to earlier, where we've spoken before on this podcast about different types of, you know, fraud and theft and con artistry and that sort of stuff. It really does make you see how if if this is how far you can get uh, if this is how far you can get based solely on projecting confidence and making like staggeringly false instantly instantly disprovable claims uh, then it's no wonder that people are able to quite successfully do like long-term long-term con artistry or any of that sort of thing because if the lies that you're telling are just believable or mundane or the kind of thing that people wouldn't really feel like there was any particular need or even interest in checking. Yes, I definitely uh, am a doctor. I got an MD and don't look into it. Well, even like I, th- I think the, the much more mundane version of this is like white collar work and that sort of stuff. The number of people who claim to have, you know, to claim to have got a degree from a particular university, but in like business administration yeah or the number of people that claim to be a full stack developer when they're not yeah uh it's a thing i've heard though am i right theo sure am i right with that very specific one yeah i mean i've i've got a full stack stacked you can't just go around with the half stack these days well they won't hire you if you don't have a half if if you're good at one thing Mm. they'll say no thank you but if you say I am kind of good at one thing and shithouse at the other one, but I'm pretending I can do both. Mm. Oh, now, they love you. They now fucking it says love you. here. It says here that you're a jack of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, holy fuck! <laughs> you're a, a a ninja rock star, full stack developer. Mm. Now that's Ooh. quite cool. Now that appeals to me. A cool dude. <laughs> Let me get this right. You were a .NET developer for seven years, uh, but you've also done uh, just two weeks of free JavaScript courses. <laughs> oh, what a catch. My goodness. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers and good vibes of the show to Nelly Yoa in this, in this time of, this trying time. We wish him life. nothing but peace and uh, happiness in his life. I hope that this big house of cards that has come tumbling down upon your own head does not hurt you. I hope it, it falls upon him like a soft blanket and uh, he can lay there finally at rest. Not, not dead. Not, not dead. dead. Not no, dead. no, no, still alive, uh, but no longer juggling uh, an obscene number of lies. I just, yeah, like, like obviously... And again, we don't want to go too far down the road of like speculating about the specifics of people's mental states and all that sort of stuff. We're certainly not psychologists. I'm no doctor, or am I, according to this (laughs) certificate that I have printed out and told people that I am am a doctor. No, University Um, of America College. I've never heard of that one. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, you you can only assume that for somebody in this type of position that... That, that they are unable to stop themselves from doing at a certain point. Because um, you would think, you would think that if you had kind of told a bunch of lies and things had just sort of spiraled out of control, that at a certain stage of being caught out, you would just be relieved. 
you would yeah. just be relieved and plead guilty to a thing and say, I'm so sorry. I remember reading a case uh, several years ago about somebody who was tried under the, um, you know how they, they have laws against like stealing valor. Yes. Uh, and impersonating soldiers and all that sort of thing. And I remembered reading this story about a guy who came into a, um, he was in a pub and I can't remember if he was like, he was wearing something or he was in an RSL or wherever it was. He was wearing something that made somebody ask him about, you know, what he did in the army or what he'd, what he'd done somewhere. And, and he felt so pressured by this group of people expectantly looking at him that he just kind of made up this story. And they went, oh, that's amazing. We love it. Um, and everybody bought him beers and was super nice to him. And the next time he came in, they were like, tell us another of your stories. And he went, oh, no. And he made up another thing. And it ended up with him, like, you know, giving speeches at schools about things. And, like, and, um, and you know, receiving awards as, like, a, as a community leader and this sort of thing. And, of course, somebody has finally tweaked at some point and reported this to the I don't know, army, police, narc, hotline, or whatever. Someone's stealing valor out here. One eight hundred stolen valor. Yep. Yep. And and so they caught this guy, and they tried him, and he was just completely straight up about it in court. He was just like, it just I I just told a story because these people seem to really want to hear it, and things just got really out of control. And I'm frankly incredibly relieved that it can stop now. Um. And I can only assume that that's the type of person where they aren't necessarily a compulsive liar, um, aren't completely compelled to just continue weaving this sort of stuff out of thin air, despite the evidence of all of the negative effects in their life that it's creating. But someone who has genuinely just been swept along in something and has thought, oh, thank fuck, I can stop with this now. I'm so ready to be done with this thing. <laughs> I'm not a full stack developer. You can finally shout I bet from the rooftops. I don't do that at work. I'm a quarter stack. <laughs> I'm a quarter stack and I'm proud. I bet that the the guy that was on the league that lied about being in the, the towers oh. uh, 9-11, I bet he was relieved when he got to be like, actually, no. Just finally, you can just finally stop telling people about it. Uh, Steve... Renazizi. That's a lot of N's and Z's in that name. Um, but yeah, he had to finally admit that he uh, was not in 9-11, as he claimed to be at the time. Mm. But he lied about it for years. A really long time. Well, you, you can't... Once you've done it once, you're fucked. You are absolutely Yeah, yeah there's no fucked. good time to... Uh, except for approximately five seconds after you, you lie, uh, there is... No good time to say, hey, um, sorry, whatever it was that you were saying, journalists, that's that's fine. Uh, by the way, that thing about 9-11, not true. Like, you can't just, there's no conversation you can just stop and inject that fact into no, and then continue. There's definitely, yeah, the five-second rule is you've got one second. You have to, you've got nothing, basically. Once you've been like, hey, I was actually in the South Tower hiding in the bathrooms uh, wait, no, no, I wasn't. Like, you can't... You, you have to you, immediately, you have to immediately say, that's not true, I don't know why I said that. I really think that prevention is the only cure here. Like, you can't... Once you've said the sentence, mm. they're just going to be like, wait, were you trying to lie about being at this... Yeah, but at least it's only to one person, so... 
Uh, if you so, this is our advice. Um, if you ever find yourself about to lie about having been in one of the towers during nine eleven, don't. Yeah. Hmm. Solid advice. Solid. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, the crime pass for the week. Feel free to lie about having been in the towers during 9-11. <laughs> oh. Is that a crime? I don't feel like that's a crime unless it's I, like... If you profited you... from it in some fashion. Oh. Potentially. Or if you purge yourself over it. Yes. So if uh, you're in a courtroom... Like if, yeah, and you're there for like petty theft... <laughs> So the reason that I uh, stole these cigarettes yep. is that I was actually I was I in was, the South Tower. Oh. I was on American Airlines flight <laughs> ninety two. I think it is. Uh, oh my god! But that's okay. I'm I'm here now. Wasn't it United Flight ninety three? I don't. 93? Fuck! I knew it as soon as I said it. It's going to be some flight nerd. I was ready to be really impressed. You know that specificity would have. Given that so much weight would have would have really given it a gravitas. It would have been punchy, and then you mm. just sort of petered out uh, mm. flatly. Um, Ugh! What a note to end a podcast on. Yeah. The other crime pass for this week, of course, is um, to steal valor. Oh, uh, yeah! If you can find a convincing military uniform or war mm-hmm. medals, or even just have get a USMC tattoo. Oh, yeah. uh, and then sort of do that thing that greasers did in the in like fifties movies where they'd roll up a packet of smokes in their sleeve, so it reveals your USMC bicep tattoo. And as soon as somebody asks about it, oh, this, yeah, second I got that tour, on one of my many tours of duty. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes yeah. it feels like I never came back. Steal, steal some valor. Claim to have um, won, I don't know, a Purple Heart, maybe? And you know what? Even if you want to do this on a small scale, if you're traveling um, domestically uh, on planes in the US, uh, just wear... You could buy one from a, from a surplus store, I guess. Just wear a US military uniform uh, and board first hmm. on the plane. With a gun. With a gun, yep. With your service weapon. <laughs> yep. And if you don't have your own service weapon, just take one from a cop. Uh, your tax money pays for it. It's your gun. Third crime pass of the week. Grab a cop's <laughs> No, that's not a crime. Weapon. That's taxpayer-owned property. It's state-owned property, that gun. Just mm, take the cop's true. service it's, weapon. It's not a crime. your gun. It's, it's like going to a library. You can just walk in and take a book and walk out, uh, and it's no problem. Yep. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. If you would like an extra episode every single week, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bundavista. Sign up for five US dollars a month um, or even more if you would like additional rewards. You can check all that stuff out. We have merchandise at Bundavista.com slash merchandise. Um, so yeah, go on there, check it out. Uh, eat some soup, steal some valor, grab a cop's gun. It's basically yours. It is yours. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.